Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you see enough? Because I know I sure did. It's time right now, folks, to commit to Nate Yardell. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you are listening. This is the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. My name is Corey Christen. I am recording from a booth at Wallace Wade Stadium here in Durham, North Carolina, where Pitt just concluded a forgetful 2023 season with a 30 to 19 loss at the hands of Duke. This is the worst season now by record in the Pat Narduzzi era here at Pitt, which brings a lot of questions for us to go through in the off season. But as I sat here and I watched the Panthers struggle and continue to bash their heads into the ground and continue to, commit dumb penalties, and have poor play from different levels of the field, offense and defense. And that includes up at the press box level, if you know what I mean. The one thing that I took away from this, no matter how much it's Pat Narduzzi or Frank Signetti or the powers that be would want to dictate otherwise, I saw what I hope is QB1 of Pitt's future. 25 of 35, 265 yards, two touchdowns, one interception that wasn't necessarily his fault. Those were the stats for Nate Yarnell in this football game in a losing effort. And I know you might not think that that is an impressive line by any means or that that line is anything that's going to win the Heisman. And you would be right, but... As we have said before, with respect to this quarterback room, as I talked about after the Syracuse game, as I talked about with Gary Morgan last week after Pitt beat Boston College, it's not about what they're doing right now. It's about how they are going to tee up the future. With that being said, though, I still liked what I saw in the now. Take, for instance, the drive that Yarnell commandeered to end the first quarter and begin the second quarter. 15 plays, 93 yards, seven minutes and 31 seconds. That was capped beautifully, might I add, beautifully. Yarnell rolls out, keeps his eyes downfield, 
and locks into Carter Johnson, who wrestles that ball away from the defender and that tight end bowled into the end zone from nine yards out after the catch for that touchdown that gave Pitt, at the time, a 10-3 lead. And at that point, I didn't think Pitt was going to struggle like they did, but they did. However, they did not struggle because of Yarnell. Just as they had not struggled because of Yarnell, they did not do that in the three starts that he has now had as Pitt's quarterback. In those three starts, Yarnell has completed 68% of his passes, just over that. 217 yards per game. Now keep in mind, the Western Michigan game from 2022 was the Israel Abanacanda special. It was the let's not put Nate in a position where he could do something stupid because he is a redshirt freshman making his first ever start in short order of Keaton Slovis and Nick Patty being injured. These last two games against Boston College and now against Duke were far from that. Yarnell has thrown four touchdowns and one interception and has a 168 rating in three starts as a Panther. After this game, moments ago, an hour ago even, hour and a half ago, in that very press conference room that, by the way, Pitt's locker was a whole practice football field away <laughs> from where the actual stadium is over here on Duke's campus. Pat Narduzzi spoke of a 14-page list of things to address in the offseason and a 14-page list of improvements that Pitt needed to make in the offseason. I'm here to say that Nate Yarnell should not be on that list. I saw enough in a body of work spectrum, in a spectrum of who has played cleaner football, who has played football that gives Pitt the best chance to win. Credit Christian Veyer for the win against Louisville. He played tremendous. But, as you all know, absolutely stunk up the joint in the four games to follow it. Yarnell, at minimum, at minimum, did not throw any games away for Pitt. He gave Pitt in these two starts against Boston College and Duke. He won one of them, and he was not the reason why Pitt lost this game against Duke. Now, I could go into the comedy of errors, the penalties, once again, lack of communication in some respects, and quite frankly, to be honest with you, players that just weren't ready and aren't ready for this kind of stage just yet. And that speaks more to the development via the coaching staff. This is not on Yarnell. Finishing three and nine. Three and nine. Two seasons removed from an ACC championship with a two and six record in ACC play is not on Nate Yarnell. So now what? That's the grand question. That's the grand question as Pat Narduzzi tries to sort out and bullet point 14 pages in his words of stuff to address in the offseason. As we are going to talk about here shortly in segment two here on H2P Podcast, the top of that list has to be in his own staff. It's that simple. It has to start 
with the coaching staff. Let's take a break. Let's go to segment two. And let's once again dive into the futility that this offense showed. Segment two of the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey Christen with you recording from a radio booth at Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham, North Carolina on Duke University's campus. By the way, if you haven't been here, really cool campus. I mean, Cameron Indoor Stadium overlooks this football stadium. Everything's kind of compacted into one really cool setting here at Duke. Hit a 30-19 loss over the Blue Devils. They finish 3-9 overall and 2-6 and in ACC play in 2023. Pat Narduzzi said it. A 14-page list of improvements to make, of takeaways, was the actual wording. A 14-page list of takeaways. Talking about things they need to clean up, get better. There's a young team. Don't have time to discuss all the takeaways. So I followed up. This is in the press conference. I followed up with Pat Narduzzi and I go, what's at the top of the list? And he just goes, there's a bunch of them. And then another follow-up question came through, not from me, somebody else who obviously was in the room with me. And of course it's asked about the staff. And Narduzzi says, hey, we evaluate all year long. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday through Friday. But he concluded that statement that it starts with the coaches. And he's 1,000% correct. It starts with the coaches. Here is the grand nugget that you all need to hear about this season. Pitt's offense scored 30 or fewer points 10 times out of 12. And they had six games of 20 or fewer points. Let me repeat that. Pitt scored 30 or fewer points 10 times out of 12 this season. And they scored 20 or fewer points six times. Half of the season, literally, where this defense had to keep bending and bending and bending before it finally snapped Even in moments where the games were low scoring, take case in point, the West Virginia game, 17 to six final. Remember Phil Dracovic? He was the starting quarterback then. That offense could not do anything. Now, a large part of that obviously is because of Phil Dracovic's inability to throw the forward pass. But let's not absolve the play caller. And I don't want to make this a fire Matt Canada situation, okay? Because that's not necessarily what this is. Although, think of it this way. We've talked about this before. Dracovic was brought in by Signetti. Bayer committed to this program under Signetti. But Nate Yarnell's a Pat Narduzzi guy. And he even said it. Nate Yarnell said it out loud, folks, in the post-game press conference. Quote, I played six games in high school 
I played in Lake Travis, but I did not have a ton of tape, and I knew that I was a good quarterback. And Coach Narduzzi went off of those six games and gave me an opportunity, and I'll forever be grateful for that. End quote. Lake Travis, of course, in Texas, really prominent high school program. It produced Baker Mayfield, and it produced former top recruit Hudson Card who Yarnell backed up once upon a time at Lake Travis. That's why he only played six games in his high school career. Think about that. He had six games of tape. Because he got hurt also. But he had six games of tape in high school. And Narduzzi is the one. Now, of course, Mark Whipple recruited him as well. But Narduzzi brought him here. Narduzzi kept him here. Narduzzi puts his faith in him. Time and time and time and time again. And yet, this offensive coordinator was more than willing to ride Keaton Slovis until he couldn't. Then he gave Nick Patty the shot, a deserved shot, no less, in last year's Sun Bowl, which feels like an eternity ago. And then entering this season, don't forget, Signetti said this on record, folks. On record. In the preseason, that they brought Phil Dracovic to Pitt with the intention of competing with Keaton Slovis as the starting quarterback. Keaton went out, so by default, Phil's the quarterback. Then Phil plays like crap, gets benched, but it's Christian's turn. Not Nate's turn. Not the guy that's been here literally since the Kenny Pickett days. It was Christian's turn. Credit him for the win against Louisville. No question about that. As I'm looking down in the field, by the way, I see a cat running across the end zone, taking a small break. Where's it going? It's going into the tunnel. How about that? Anyway, that's what you get for recording from the stadium. You're going to see stuff. But anyway, Dracovic fizzles out. And then it's Vayer, not Yarnell, that gets the opportunity. Credit him for the win against Louisville. He played like junk the four games to follow that. Narduzzi wants a spark. So what does he do? He calls it a, quote, staff decision. But let's make no bones about this. He puts his guy in, Yarnell, his guy. Just read the tea leaves, folks. Narduzzi has said that the quarterback decision comes down to Signetti and that he spends, quote, 80% of his time with the defense. So when Yarnell coincidentally goes in, all of a sudden it's a staff decision. Read the tea leaves. Now, this offseason is monumental for this program. Forget about trying to improve off of three and nine. Okay? I will say it. Frank Signetti can't be the offensive coordinator at Pitt anymore. He can't do it. He should have coached his last game here at Pitt. I know that's not, you know, inflammatory or anything that's like, whoa, earth shattering. It's simply the truth. But what is also true is that the rest of the staff has to be looked at. It's offense, defense, and special teams. It's development of the players. It's why Andre Powell, no disrespect to the human, as the running backs coach, is also the special teams coordinator. And yet, Caleb Junko comes out here and shanks two punts a game. 
this staff has to be in a totality evaluated. And I'm not saying clean house, get everybody out, fire everybody. That's not what I'm doing. But if Pitt wants to improve from three and nine and make some kind of a jump starting in 2024, in addition to what I should believe, what I would believe should be a committal to Nate Yarnell, he has to figure out this staff. He brought all of it back for this season. That can't remain the case in 2024. Obviously, the easiest, no second guess of all time is that it starts with Frank Signetti. Let's take a break, our final one here, and let's get into a bit of a happier note. Let's get into a little bit of pit basketball and what I saw from their two games in the NIT season tip-off out in Brooklyn. We'll be right back. Final segment on the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey Christen with you recording from a radio booth at Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham, North Carolina, where Pitt football just lost to Duke 30-19 to to close its season. We're going to turn the page on football, obviously, as the, the offseason develops and as news and storylines come out. But let's turn to a brighter note as the lights dim here at the stadium, ironically. Pitt basketball's five and one. Off to a really strong start to their season. Of course, they beat up on four mid-majors, four bye games. That's grand and everything. But the real test came in the NIT season tip-off in Brooklyn, New York at the Barclays Center. Florida, Oregon State, Baylor, Pitt were the four teams there. On Wednesday, Pitt opened that tournament against Florida. And if you look at the Ken Palm ratings, Florida was at 35 entering this game. Pitt was at 40. Relatively even matchup. Relatively speaking, two teams that have high, high aspirations to get into the NCAA tournament. On on Wednesday, though, 86-71 to was the final, Florida over Pitt. And what I think the big takeaway from that was is, number one, Pitt has to shoot free throws better. 13-21 from the line, and they shot 10-34 of from three. However, those are going to be live-and-die scenarios. Florida, by the way, only made 8-24 from three. But another big takeaway for me, at least, from that Florida game was how the Gators game planned around Bub Carrington. Of course, the freshman, true freshman, had a triple-double in his first ever game as a Panther. Carrington, 14 points, 7 assists. Might look okay in 36 minutes, but 6 of 15 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3, and 3 turnovers to go with it. I think Florida unlocks something here as far as how to defend Bub Carrington. And it might sound a little simple coming out of my mouth here, 
But I also think that it's a little complex for Pitt to try to counter. And that is forcing Bub Carrington to go left and use his left hand and create plays with his weak side. Oftentimes when Florida got one-on-one on Carrington, it was a forcing to that left side, which caused either a turnover, a broken down play, or simply, and this doesn't get obviously antiquated in basketball, but it could have been as simple as throwing off the timing of what Jeff Capel wanted to do offensively. You know, if there's a spot where Zach Austin or Ish Leggett have to be in, and Carrington has to be on the other side of it, meaning he has to have the timing down of the passing lane, of when he gets rid of the ball, at the velocity he gets rid of the ball if he's passing, or simply if he's going to spot up and shoot. Florida found a way to throw all of that off, and I found that very intriguing coming out of that game. I think there's more to be discussed about the loss to Florida than I do the win over Oregon State on Friday in the consolation. It was a 25-point win over Oregon State. And I'm not about to sit here and say Oregon State is Duke or Oregon State is Kentucky or Oregon State is a national powerhouse in college basketball because they're just not. But it was encouraging that Pitt was able to bounce back 76-51, a 25-point win over a power six opponent. Zach Austin was incredible in that game. 19 points, eight rebounds, five of nine from the field and six of eight from the line. I thought Blake Hinson was okay in moments. I think six of 17 from the field might get you a little, eh, I don't know. Ish Leggett, 15 points on a six of 12, seven rebounds, a good day for Ish Leggett, who's been really solid, understatedly, for Pitt. And by the way, Pitt cleaned their free throws up against the Beavers, 20 to 24. So right now in this early part of the season for Pitt basketball, we're learning a lot, aren't we? Five and one, one and one though against power opponents. And now Pitt has to face Missouri Tuesday at the Peterson Events Center. Missouri, their Ken Palm is around 80-ish while Pitt floated back up to 41 after the win. They got Missouri on Tuesday and then Clemson on Sunday and then West Virginia to follow it. A huge, huge three-game stretch that could set the tempo for the rest of Pitt's basketball season. That being said, however, I'm encouraged by the start for this Panthers team. And at the same time, I think it's okay to temper things after the loss to Florida. Florida's a good team. They have good players. They have good talent. There's a lot to like about what the Gators do. They're a potential NCAA tournament team. Good early season test. And credit where it's due to Pitt. They were able to bounce back to win. Remember last year when they went to Barclays? They got throttled by Michigan. 30-point loss. And then they lost really kind of haphazardly to VCU. Now, Jeff Capel has been on record at multiple points saying that was the turning point of Pitt's season. It's not that this team needed anything like that because no team needs to lose in those fashions. 
But because of the experience, because of the returning, you know, the Hinsons and the Diaz Grams and Federico and all those other guys that were part of that and part of those experiences last year, you feel good about the new guys coming along, about what Carrington and Leggett and Austin have been able to do. Good start for those Panthers. And it's going to be a fun basketball season following them along. A reminder, you can listen to the H2P podcast where podcasts are found. Apple, Google Play, Spotify. We are there 24-7 for downloads. Please remember to like this episode. Share this episode with a friend. That goes a very long way. Uh, Please leave a star rating. That also goes a long way. Uh, Gary and Morgan and I should be back live on YouTube next Saturday, a week from today. Um, I didn't do a live stream, obviously, because I'm just kind of recording and spilling thoughts here from the stadium. But, you know, the show goes on as it goes. Um, Remember to subscribe to us on YouTube as well. DK Pittsburgh Sports on Pitt on YouTube. You'll find interviews with Pat Narduzzi and Nate Yarnell from this football game. And uh, you'll see more on Pitt basketball as that season goes along. So from Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham, North Carolina, my name is Corey Christen. This has been the H2P Podcast. Thank you all for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Cheers, everybody. Have a good one.